the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. Well, the first series of the season is now over. There were some dramatics, but there are definitely a lot more bad things to note. I'm Steve Zinsmeister, Cody Fincher with me as well on the Ain't No Fang podcast. And like I mentioned, we are recording this just after the finish to Game 4 against the San Diego Padres. And boy, oh boy, was the offense lacking in this series. It was gone. It was not there at all. I mean, outside, okay, the ninth inning today, it looks a little bit more respectable. Uh, the the D-backs put up four runs in the ninth inning of the series finale against the Padres. They still lost 10-5. to five. Right. 10-5. to five. Man. It's just not, it's not gone well at all. Well, and if you consider, too, maybe we're burying the lead a little bit, but on opening day, Seth Beer hits that that was walk-off fun. home run. Yeah, but if he hadn't have done that... Yeah, oh my gosh. If they'd he hadn't Owen, had that one swing... They'd be 0-4 with scoring... Okay, they scored 5, He seven, was literally zero. all of their offense in Game 1. Well, I mean, the wild pitch scored a run, so I guess he, that doesn't count for him. But, I mean, to your point... The offense that has appeared in, for this team in this series was in the ninth inning, in either garbage time or in clutch time. They've scored eleven total runs in these four games. Correct. Um, Only four home runs. They were in four almost games. no hit twice in games one and two. You Darvish had a no hitter, and I I can't remember what inning he got pulled in the seventh. I think it might have been after the seventh inning. He walked four guys. Sean Manaya was great. In his Padres debut, he got pulled at eighty-eight pitches. Yep, and I think this, that was after seven. Poor, by the way, poor Tim Hill, the left-handed reliever for the for the Padres. He comes in in both games and gives up the game, uh, the D-backs' first hit in both games. So he ended both of the no hitters. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, you're right. Outside of Seth Beer, that one swing on National Beer Day, by the way, that was pretty cool. Can't write it any better than that. Um, Man, it, it, they the Diamondbacks would be zero and four, um, no question, um, and this this team would just be. I mean, it's kind of. I mean, it's only been four games, and I'm like, man, it's going to be a long summer already. Fifteen hits in 116 at bats for a batting average of 129. Oh, in the first series, oh. they rec- <laughs> they didn't have a hit off a starting pitcher until yesterday. Yeah, I mean. Jeez, like on the one Cattell hand, Marte has been not very good to start the year. But like he he has a couple hits now. He doubled today, um, and I think he walked uh, another time. But I mean, he's also looked bad on defense. Um, he's made a he made an error today. He's bobbled a couple balls out there. Perdomo had an error today, a throwing error on a routine ground ball to short. Ellis had that terrible, terrible throw from third. Um, I can't remember if that was game two or game. I think it was game two and Hosmer ended up scoring a run. It was a free run. I don't know what Ellis thought like the ball was going to go foul and it wasn't even close to going foul. And he picked up the ball and the runner was already at basically at first base and he still threw it and he threw it away. Um, it's just been, it's been bad. Carson Kelly today in game four of the series let two. I mean, it's hard to block a pitch obviously, but it looked like two pitches that he could have gotten down and blocked got away from him because he tried to backhand it, and they both scored runs on back-to-back wild pitches. 
on back-to-back pitches. So, like, the defense just hasn't been there to start. And that's what – that's honestly, like, what – like, Tori Lovello and Mike Hazen will tell you, that's what their, like, core philosophy is, is defense. Defense and pitching. And, man, that defense has not been good so far. On the other hand, I'll point out a positive. The walks for some of these hitters. Uh, yeah, yep. Just doing They're some quick They're getting on math. base, dude. Like, it's two, two is four, not hitting. seven, eight, plus five is 13, plus six is 19. 19 walks in four games. That's pretty darn good. They walked, I'll take that. They walked, what, in today's series finale, nine, nine times, and they scored, and they ended up scoring five runs, but none of the, I feel like none of those walks scored. Maybe a couple of them did. Yeah, but. but what's interesting is that you and I talked about this, I think the last two weeks that we've done the podcast, guys like Geraldo Perdomo... And Paven Smith, Cooper Hummel, some of these guys that are starting to make their appearances have really great understandings of the strike zone. Well, look at the guys that I just mentioned. Cooper Hummel, two walks in two games. Um, Geraldo Perdomo, five walks, including, I believe, three today. Mm -hmm. Um, Two of them for Paven Smith, four of them for Dalton Varsho. I'm not saying that walking is, is the greatest thing ever and it's the new sliced bread, but I mean... It's a good thing that they seem to be at least having an understanding of the strike zone and getting on base. I'd like to see them hit I more mean, they and have, drive those guys in. They have patient hitters. They have pitchers that know the strike zone, right? Um, and and it's, a lot of it's coming from their young guys, so that's good to see. The young guys have a good you know, knowledge of the strike zone, are able to pick up pitches, and but yeah. But that you walk nine times today, and maybe, what, two of them might have scored today. That's just not good enough. They are second in the league in walks right now, behind one team, the San Diego Padres, <laughs> who have 20. Oh, my gosh. Of course. But Isn't like you, crazy? But yeah, you can walk all you want, but you got to be able to drive the guys in. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, man. like, walking's fine. They get on base, whatever, but if you can't drive them in, what's the point? After four games, the Arizona Diamondbacks are fourth to last in on base percentage at 257. Mm-hmm. And batting average, hold on, let me scroll all the way to the bottom. Oh, yeah, there they are. Dead last. 30th, 129 average, oh, I mentioned earlier. Gosh. That's after four games. I don't want to overreact. Yeah, I don't either. It's a 162 but, game season. But man, and like and the Padres, to be honest, like have a really good starting rotation. Yeah. I mean, you Darvis, you Darvis, Shamanaya, um, Joe Musgrove yesterday pitched on the anniversary of a no-hitter he threw last year. It was supposed to be Blake Snell today, but he got scratched at the last second. Okay, wait. Let's talk about that for a second. Because I had a conversation with my co-host Mitch Varelis on Arizona Sports Saturday. That was after Game 2. And he was ticked. And a lot of fans, a lot of D-backs fans were ticked that Seth Beer was not in the lineup for Game 2. After he had the only good offensive play for the entire team on opening day, the walk-off home run. Mm -hmm. I had played it off on Saturday as, you know what, they're facing Sean Mania, lefty-lefty matchup. There's not a lot of places in the lineup for this team to switch guys out to get righties in because you think about it, they switched out their DH. They put Cooper Hummel in, and he's a switch hitter. You can't really take out David Peralta because you don't have better options in left field. You can't really take out Varsho because no one else plays center field. Yeah. So they were looking for places to fit a righty in the lineup, and that was my argument. And also, Seth Beer's only been in the league for like six games. It's not like he's David Ortiz. He hasn't uh, solidified himself as the DH of this team yet. And then we saw today Blake Snell was supposed to pitch. Mm-hmm. A lefty. 
and Seth Beer's not in the lineup. But then Snell gets scratched seemingly while he's walking out to the mound almost, <laughs> about as late as you could possibly scratch a guy, and Seth Beer's not in the lineup, and then they end up facing a righty. I mean, at that point, though, you can't even – you can't – change your lineup because you they've probably already exchanged the lineup cards yeah um and that's a little frustrating as a team i would which think. i'm sure that's the first that tory lavello saw of blake snell not starting you know like he looks at the lineup card and goes wait what what's going on and i i mean i don't know what the rules are if bob melvin had to disclose that earlier or what i don't know should the diamondbacks get an opportunity to switch <laughs> up the lineup um based on who the pitcher is i, I don't know the answer to i don't that. know but, I mean, I'm not surprised that Seth Beer isn't hitting against lefties. I don't really agree with it yet, but I, I, know what you, I know what you're saying. He's a young player. He's a rookie. He's only played in two games uh, so far, Out one series. And, like, he, you know, you got to earn your keep and earn your spot to be in the lineup every day. But to me, it's like the Diamondbacks, they're not going to be competing this year. I think it's fair to say that. Um, just by the, the, the roster they have assembled and what everyone else has done around them. I would like to see the younger guys like Paven Smith and Seth Beer, who are lefties, get in against left handed pitchers because eventually you're gonna have to you're gonna have to learn how to hit against lefties. I think part of the difficulty is though, especially with Jordan Luplo injured. There's who, no righties that they can no even, righties. Ahmed's hurt. Nick Ahmed's hurt. Luplo's hurt. I mean Drew Ellis isn't an everyday player at this point. Mm-mm. I mean, he is right now because they don't have an option. I mean, the, option, only, but... the only right-handed hitters they have right now are Carson Kelly, who's a righty all the yep. time, and then whatever switch hitters they have. Marte, Perdomo, Hummel, and maybe Hummel. And and uh, Alcantara, I think, might be a switch hitter, too. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's all the switch hitters that they have can, can bat right-handed against the lefty. Sure. But that's it. They don't have they outside of them. It's it's Ahmed and Luplo. Oh, Christian Walker. Christian Walker is a right-handed hitter, obviously. But the other thing too, to my point about Seth Beer not being in the lineup every single day, even against lefties. The other thing is, if he's going to play every day, that means he's either playing at DH or maybe first base. There's only so many positions he can be in, and the DH, as you know, especially being new to the National League, is going to be a rotational thing. And you know Tori Lovello loves to rotate guys in different spots. Well, if you have Seth Beer at DH every single day, that means there's other guys that aren't getting pseudo days off as designated hitter. And I mean, I'm not surprised either because that's what this is what Tori Lovello has pretty much done since he was hired. Lefties don't hit against left-handed pitching, really. I mean, ever since Jake Lamb hit like 090 whatever against Jake Lamb lefties. was different though he could not hit lefties right I believe Seth Beer can I do too and he has in his small sample I think, size and I think Paven Smith has the ability to, to hit lefties as well um but I don't know it's just Tori Lovello likes playing matchups and that's what he that's how he's going to manage the team so I think though you could make the argument I'll make the argument right now the home run on opening day for Seth Beer while it doesn't solidify that he is an a player every single day in your lineup, it does help him stay in the major leagues. Because there's nothing that says he couldn't get sent back down at some point during his time here. I mean, you and I didn't even know for sure. We weren't certain that he was going to make the team out of camp. It was not a certainty. We both hoped he would. And I think I even said to you a couple weeks ago, I expect and I hope that Seth Beer is playing in the lineup three nights a week. 
That that's was my bottom line. I was like, I, I want that. And if I get that, I'm good with it. And right now he's on pace for that. He's playing every other day. Yeah. I mean, how often are you going to face a lefty? I think it was just more disappointing on Friday when he hits the walk-off home run. It's a crazy, fun moment, and it's really cool, and then he's not playing the next day. Yeah. And he pinch hit the next day. He did. He did. He had a chance to actually tie up the game with a home run if he hit another one. But I think just got they want to see him. He's already he's already a fan favorite because of his last name. Yeah. Let's just be honest. Like his last name's Beer. Everyone loves Beer. And he's Beer. a good player. He's good. And And he came in a trade for a huge player. Right. And Zach Cranky. Everyone just wants to see those guys. Like I want to see Seth Beer and Josh Rojas in the lineup every day. I want to see Corbin Martin in the starting rotation, hopefully soon. Yeah. Um I'd like to see Bukowskis in the bullpen, but he keeps getting hurt. So True. Um, well, hopefully he can be a part of that soon if he stays healthy. Um, so yeah, I, I get people's outrage. Um, I am also guilty of being mad at Seth Beer not playing the next day, even though, I mean, I don't know how he would have fared against Sean Mania. Sean Mania was dealing that night. Yeah, he kind of had it going. He was so, he was so good, um, in, in that second game, almost had a no hitter. Um, but just this early spring, with the pitch counts and everything, everyone's getting a quick hook. Tori admitted, too, by the way, that he put his lineup together the day before. It's not like he made the lineup that afternoon right, right, right. based on who had the hot hand or whatever. Right. I remember Tori saying a while ago, like, they have their lineups kind of predetermined, like, sure. days in advance. Sure. Um, just based on, you know, analytics, matchups, and whatnot. So, I mean, it's not like he's like, oh, Seth Beer is going to sit down today. <laughs> There's a, there was a story in Tony LaRusa's book about his uh, time with the Cardinals. I think, I think this was 2011 this happened. There's a story in there. They're at the All-Star break. They have one dominant pitcher on the Cardinals at that time. You remember who it was? Chris Carpenter. Chris Carpenter. One dominant pitcher. And the Cardinals are battling with, I want to say it was the Braves for like a wild card spot. or They know they're a playoff. They're going to be in playoff contention, but they know it's going to be close. And so at the All-Star break, Tony La Russa decides, I'm not going to pitch Chris Carpenter the first day after the All-Star break. I'm going to set up my rotation mm-hmm. ahead of time, months ahead of time, so that Chris Carpenter is pitching the last game of the season. And he did that on purpose. And it didn't and when it when you rewind and you go back to the All Star break, he was not the first pitcher out of the out of the gate right then after several days off. Mm-hmm. And fa- a lot of fans are like, What what the hell are you doing? Right. If you're the Cardinals, you should be pitching Chris Carpenter now so you get as many starts as possible. And Tony LaRusso didn't want to do that. He wanted to plan ahead of time so that he knew his best guy was going to be there when it mattered most. I guess the point of the story that I'm relating to this is not every lineup card is written based on how yesterday's game went. You know yeah, what I mean? And I feel like the rotation adjusting like that is now more of a common practice. Sure. Too. Like, and no one's surprised when it's... Because, yeah, now everyone can see, like, with the internet and everything, everyone can go ahead and figure out who was going to play when, you know. Pretty much, yeah. Basically. Barring injury. Yeah, and you'd be like, okay, cool. The Diamondbacks want to set up, you know, if they if they were in playoff contention, okay, they want to set up Gallon and Bumgarner. You know what I mean? Like, after the All-Star break this year, if everyone's healthy, I don't think Zach Gallon's going to be your fifth starter. You know what I mean? He's not going to be in the fifth spot of the rotation, you wouldn't think. No. It'd be Bumgarner and Gallon, or Gallon and Bumgarner, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm not upset that Seth Beer. I mean, and the more that he plays and does well, the more opportunities he's going to get. I mean, it's that way in any walk of life. The better you do in your job, 
the more they're going to put on you, and then the more opportunities you have to impress. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm not upset with Seth Beer missing two of the first four games. Um, he did pinch hit in that one game you mentioned. Um, Luke Weaver, as we have mentioned many times on this podcast, this is pretty much a make-or-break moment for him, and they put him in the bullpen to start the season. You and I were a little surprised by that because they moved Caleb Smith to the rotation. We can talk about that in a second. But as for Luke Weaver, he got one appearance early in this series, did not go well, and he has now been placed on the injured list with elbow inflammation, which is not the blister issue that no. he was dealing with before. Nope. that is. And last year, he dealt with forearm stuff and I think a UCL injury as well, so... More elbow problems for Luke Weaver, man. It's just it's just not gone well since he's gotten traded here. It's just not it has not been a good time. <laughs> he's he's either pitching and you know not pitching well. He's shown flashes though, right? I mean, he's had a couple outings where it's like, okay, that's what they traded for. He had a game last year. When was that? It was mid year. It was like against the Reds or something. He went seven innings. He was dominant. Yeah, and we were both looking at each other like, where is this? He, been? Threw, he I think he had like seven, like six no hit innings or something in that in that game, if I'm remembering right. It was real. It was a really good outing, and it was just like okay, cool. Like about time, Luke Weaver. That's what we've been waiting for. And then just injuries and injuries and not playing well, and now he's back on the shelf again. I don't know, man. It was a lot earlier in the season than I thought it was. Well, April eleventh last year, seven innings, one hit, eight strikeouts. It was his second start of the season. Mm. Seven innings, eight strikeouts, they play? one hit. That was against the Reds. You were right. <laughs> you were totally right. I mean, he had a couple other like really good starts. I mean, there was a start against Washington where he went four innings, one hit, three strikeouts. Uh, he did have a couple walks in that game, though. But, yeah, you're right, man. He he shows flashes very, <laughs> very rarely. Um, but the inconsistency, man, that's what ends up getting him into the bullpen. And as we've talked about even recently, the Diamondbacks use the bullpen as a stepping stone to the starting rotation. And a lot of organizations do that. I know you've voiced your uh, opinion is that they should just have starters be starters. And yeah. then eventually you make the starting rotation. But the way they've chosen to do things is, like last year, they demoted Caleb Smith to the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, after one start. And honestly, they might do it again. But uh, Luke Weaver is just struggling at this point. Now he's on the injured list. I don't know when we're going to see him again. And. I mean, I'm looking at, and I hate to do this already, it's it's really early in the season. I'm looking at his contract right now. Weaver? Yeah, he's arbitration eligible next year. He'll be 29 next year, and then he's a free agent in 2024 at age 30. He seems like a non-tender option for them. The way that this the way organization that it's going, has done that? The way that it's going, I mean, you can't... Okay, if you're not counting on him to be a main piece of your rotation or bullpen, okay, you can bring him back and see what see what he's got. If he's can be a complimentary piece to that, but like what they traded uh Paul Goldschmidt for in part with Carson Kelly was Luke Weaver to be a mainstay in the starting rotation. And he has not been that. He's not been able to stay healthy, he's not pitched well. It just hasn't been a good experience. It hasn't. It hasn't worked. You know, it's crazy. It has not though? worked, and I I can totally see them saying, you know what, we kind of. I think you probably need to change the scenery, Luke, and we're kind of ready to move on. Maybe I don't know. I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth at the Diamondbacks, the front office, or anybody. I'm sure they 
we all want Luke Weaver to succeed. Mainly me because you gave up Paul Goldschmidt for him and Carson Kelly. But I'm sure they don't want to. They want a reason to not let him go. And I mean, he just can't stay healthy and he can't stay on the field. He can't, he's not pitching well when he's on the field. I mean, he pitched, he pitched what, two thirds of an inning in game one, gave up a run, and then now he's on the injured list. Certainly not the storybook ending that you want. No. Uh, it sucks. If you had to guess, because he, you mentioned he's going to be 29 next year. He's in his seventh season of Major League Baseball. That's crazy. Crazy to believe. Yeah. Um, he spent about equal time between the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks. Who do you think he was a better pitcher for without looking at the numbers? Because I'm looking at the numbers. I feel like this could be a trick. I'm going to say he was better for the Diamondbacks. He's been slightly better with the Diamondbacks. Ha-ha! <laughs> not great, though. 4.48 ERA. Certainly not good. Although, when you look at the whip numbers, I mean, his whip with the Diamondbacks is 1.27, which mm-hmm. is borderline getting to it's bad. It's like, okay. And then St. Louis, 1.45. So it's not like he was... Uh, a lot of it's, it's... not like Shelby Miller. Yeah. Because, which, ironically, was also a former Cardinal. Um, yeah. Shelby Miller had good numbers, came to Arizona, had bad numbers. Right. Well, he had a lot of things wrong with him. And then... Yeah. But Luke Weaver had potential that they were hoping for. Yeah. And it just hasn't come I to I think fruition. a lot of it has had to do with injuries, too. He's been hurt. A lot of it. He's been hurt a lot. A lot of it. He it doesn't mean here. he's not a talented player. No, I think he's got talent. It's just he can't stay on the field. Yeah. He can't stay healthy. Okay, so let's morph this conversation into Caleb Smith. Okay. Who made the rotation, the starting rotation, out of camp, which you and I were both a little surprised by just because of how good of a fit he was as a reliever. And his outing was not so good. Uh, no, he was really bad. Um, okay, so he he had a really good first inning today. <laughs> he was pounding the strike zone. He struck out two guys. He struck out the first batter, Trent Grisham, on three pitches. Um, he got Luke Voigt or Manny Machado. I can't remember. Yeah, Manny Machado to ground out really weakly to first base. Um, and it was like, all right, cool. Caleb Smith, he's pounding the strike zone. Great. And then the next inning, Cattell Marte, the the first hitter, hits a ground ball to Marte. It gets under his glove. He has an error. And then all of a sudden, the wheels came off of Caleb Smith. He couldn't find the strike zone. He walked two guys, loaded the bases, and then gave up a grand slam to Jerickson Profar, and then a solo home run on the next pitch, I believe, to Jorge Alfaro. Um, I think he gave up a grand total of Six runs, five runs, five to six runs. Um, it was definitely five, but I can't remember if another guy got on after that um, and scored. But, I mean, man, it's that's another thing where it's just where this team is in its long-term outlook. This year is kind of a throwaway year I, to me. They're not going to be good. They're going to be. They're not going to be competitive. Why is Caleb Smith getting a chance in the starting rotation? Because that's kind of a move where, like, well, he earned it, and it's fine if he earned it, but, like, to me, it's like, I would rather see Corbin Martin, who could be a future piece in this rotation, yeah, rather than say, well, Caleb earned it, we're going to try to win games. And I, I, 
I guess there's merit in both sides because if a guy earned it, then you want to reward him, right? Yeah, true. Because that's kind of demoralizing if you like Caleb Smith pitched well this spring. He did. And last season as a reliever. Yeah. But most of his outings in the spring were out of the bullpen. He had one start, I think, in spring. It was the last day of spring. I think he had a start, and that was it. And I'm looking at the graphic that Bally Sports had um, up there before his start. Last season, listen to this. His record as a starter, 1-8. A 6.95 ERA in 57 innings. He walked 40 guys. As a reliever, 3-1 with a 2.70 ERA in 56 and two-thirds innings. Walked 23. Just about the same amount of innings. The walk rate's almost cut in half. Yeah. The ERA cut in half. Like, I mean... He's a better reliever. So, should he stay in the rotation? Should he get another chance? It's a real catch-22, because the way that they handle the bullpen, we talked about they use it as a stepping stone to the to the rotation. Yeah. They demoted him last year to the bullpen. He was... After one start. He was vocal about his displeasure with that. Not in like a jazz chisel kind of no, way. No, he was, like he was a, mad. Yeah. Like he was disappointed. Yeah, exactly. Outwardly disappointed with the decision. And he goes to the bullpen and does what you just said. He was Pitched great as a well. reliever. Very well. What more can you really ask from him, right? Yeah. He did what you asked of him. So then he earns that opportunity. That's the one side. But then on the other side, you're like, well, if he's successful as a reliever, then use him as a reliever. It's right. kind of the Archie Bradley thing, isn't right. it? Because remember, Archie Bradley got demoted to the bullpen, and then he became one of the more beloved relievers. I still argue he wasn't as great as everyone thought he was, but he was one of their better relievers for a time. And if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure Archie was kind of vocal about him wanting... He wanted, at first, to get back into the starting rotation. Who doesn't? Because, yeah, as a pitcher, who doesn't want to start games? Did you ever notice in the draft, nobody ever gets drafted as a relief pitcher? No! You're a starting pitcher or a position player, and then so over There's time you a become a reliever. Select few, like Ryan Burr for ASU. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember him. He was their closer. Yeah, he got drafted, and he's still a reliever. Sure. So, but it's not that many. But my point is, most guys are starters. A lot of starters get converted yeah, to relievers because they throw hard. They can't go seven innings. A lot of time, yeah. <laughs> and then they they lose the strike zone after a while. Maybe. You know. Um, but if you channel all your energy into those what twenty pitches a night. Yeah. And you do that two, three nights a week instead of one night a week, all of a sudden you've got a career. Caleb Smith can have a really respectable career as a reliever. By the way, there's tons of job security in being a left-handed reliever in Major League Baseball. Sure. I mean, this team doesn't have anybody. Even with the three-batter rule, there still is. Totally. There's there's still merit in it. Totally. Um, Especially a good one. It's not as much as it was before that rule was in, because you'd come in for one batter and then could get taken out. uh, Yeah, Um, I agree. But I agree. it's not as much of a specialist anymore. You have to be able to get out, get right-handed hitters out too. Like remember, but, yeah. I mean, like Arthur Rhodes used to get uh, Darren Oliver. Those guys <laughs> were forty-two years old and still getting jobs yeah. in bullpens because the league wants left-handed relief pitching. Yep, Caleb's. I'm I'm talking about longevity there, obviously. But sure. Caleb Smith was a good reliever last year. He's a good reliever, not a good starter. It's just what it is. Does it mean that he doesn't doesn't deserve more starts? Not necessarily. They might give him a couple more. Yeah. Especially since you demoted him after one start last year. Right. To do that two and, years in a row would be pretty devastating. And it maybe part of it too is I mean I mean it didn't really affect their decision last year, but I mean you gotta you gotta admit it, this is the guy they gave up Starling Marte for. 
I mean, the it main was, piece. It was yeah. more to probably not have to pay Marte. Well, the other piece he got was Humberto Mejia, who was DFA'd, and he's now in AAA. Ouch! I don't think he got claimed. Doesn't mean he's not gone forever, right? But... And then a irrelevant kind of pitcher in Julio uh, Frias right now, who is like a rookie ball pitcher or whatever, and a reliever. So, yeah. So, I mean. It didn't affect the decision-making last year to keep him in the rotation because, hey, we traded Starling Marte for him, but I don't know. I I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if he should stay in the rotation. I don't know if he just – I don't know if he should be removed already, but I know I know these numbers. I'm looking at him right now. He is not good as a starter. That graphic was over what time period? It just says last season. Okay, so over his career, I have his splits, starter and reliever, okay. and – they're not as dramatically different as that right there. But he's been starting for a while. But over his career, when he's a reliever, cut his ERA by a run and a half. I mean, it goes down from 4.90 to 3.45. That's more than respectable. And I don't know why you would ignore, not ignore, I don't know. I don't know why you would ignore that number. Is that the the better numbers in the bullpen just to try to make him a starter? You know what I mean? Yeah. On the one hand, you're trying to get more out of that trade than you. I know. Uh, you don't want. But it didn't stop them. It didn't stop Tory last year. Yeah. From after what it was one start, right? Right. They and they him put the him in the bullpen. Yeah. You're right. It was also against the Padres. We need to start. <laughs> we need to. We need to stop starting the season against the freaking Padres, please, please. MLB schedulers. It's been the last three freaking years. It's, we've started against the freaking freaking Padres. It's still better. I'm so than, tired uh, of them. I'm it's tired. Still better than when we started the year in Australia against the Dodgers. Oh my god! Why would you bring that up? Because <laughs> you were talking about the start of the oh season. Oh my god! Everything horrible happened because of Australia. Pa- Patrick Corbin had that really good year the before that, and then he he have Tommy John surgery or something? I think he had Tommy John surgery in Australia. That was so bad. I stayed Didn't up. Didn't AJ Pollock get hurt that year? Was that the year was that it the he, year he got his elbow when he slipped on home plate during the? Uh, that was Souza. Oh, that was Souza. But Pollock's injury also happened at home plate. He dove head. Yeah, first, yeah, yeah, yeah. He dove head first into home. That's right. In an exhibition game, right before the start of the season, screwed and jacked up his elbow. By the way, he's starting the year injured again. Oh, did you see how it happened? Yeah, the rounding first he, base. He was try- he was thinking about going. He was going too hard. He was thinking about going to second on a double. Thought better of it. Pulled up at the last second and pulled his hamstring. He might be back soon, for all we know. I but know. that's very it's AJ just Pollock, very AJ. isn't it? I remember him getting injured, not even rounding first, but running to first base on a ground ball. He goes one hundred and ten percent for everything. And I, res- is, I respect it's admirable. Him for that. It's yeah. admirable. But and I it's think, a good way to get. I hurt, think though. a couple episodes ago, we you reminded me that there was talk of like, hey AJ. Maybe don't chill out. Don't try as hard. <laughs> don't, yeah, that don't was, try hard. That was a literal conversation we had here on this podcast 80% like four or five your, years ago. Eighty percent of your trying hard is good enough. Yeah, we were like, if you just went eighty five percent, we'd be okay <laughs> with that. Like he's so talented. AJ Pollock, if he played every single game healthy, if he played one hundred and sixty two games, no, let's even knock that down. If he played one hundred and fifty games, that's what most healthy guys play, right? You think yeah, one hundred and fifty games. AJ Pollock would be one of the top. 20 to 30 players in the league. I looked it up the other day. Because he's that good. He hasn't played in 150 games since, I think, 2016. His all-star season, I believe. In a while. 2016, I think. It was his all-star season. Um, yeah, it, it's been a long time. I think the most he's played was like 117, something like that. Um, he was not very good for the Dodgers, honestly. He played 117 games last season. 
The last time he played, the he was only, good last year. You're right. The, the only time he played 150 games, he played 157 in 2015. Was his All Star year? 15. Okay. Yeah, 2016 was when he got hurt. He was 14th. In that MVP was the elbow going. injury. 14th. 14th. That's not bad. It's not bad at all. Certainly not bad. Yeah. Diamondbacks. And he won a gold glove. Diamondbacks that year. were not good that year. <laughs> no. Um, but AJ was. Yeah, AJ was good. Um, but he's a career 282 hitter. But yeah. That all-star season, do you see his batting average in that season? It's ridiculous. 315. It's ridiculous. On base, 367. Ridiculous. OPS, 865. Really good. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah, he's a great player. Yeah. You just have to be okay he, with the fact he, that he's going to miss a quarter of the he season He was at least. not good for the Dodgers, but the Dodgers can afford him not being as good. You know, they can, They're the type of team where they can afford him to not play 150 games. They didn't... I mean, they paid him, what, like 60-something million dollars... And, yeah, but now he's on the White Sox. Well, no, no, I'm I'm saying like he didn't have to be yeah. that good. You had Chris Taylor, who was basically a bench player that could Bellinger, play every day. Bellinger, Betts, Betts, Peterson. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. They didn't need him to be an all star. No. no, he was really bad in the 2019 playoffs. Dave Roberts kept rolling him out there. He kept striking out. Um, what do you think? I never. What do you think? Caleb Smith should get another shot at starting, or do you think it should just be right back to the bullpen? I think, yes, I think he should get another start, at the least one more start. Uh, he deserves that opportunity, but if I were him, and I know that he wants to be a starter, think about all the factors that go into that. A, it's pride, yeah, because you'd rather be a starter than a reliever, because he started as a starter. Mm-hmm. So to be a reliever is almost, in your mind, in a, his a demotion. Mind, in his mind, I am a starting pitcher. Think about the money. Yeah. Think about left-handed starting pitching money. How much money did Patrick Corbin get from the Nationals? A lot. After an okay year. He got like $150 million, if I remember right. It was over $150 million. And I'm not saying Caleb Smith is in line to get $150 million, but think about the difference between a relief pitcher, an okay relief pitcher, and an okay starting pitcher. Monetarily, that's a big difference. So to be told at, I don't know what age Caleb Smith is, but to be told halfway through your career, like, hey, you might be a reliever, that could be demoralizing. But I think he should be okay with being a reliever. I hope he would be okay with it because he's good at it. He's really good at it. And they certainly need left-handed help in the bullpen. By the way, Joe Mantiply is a left-handed reliever. He's the only Diamondback with a win so far, um, (laughs) which I find interesting. You would hope that Caleb Smith would be able to look at his numbers and be like, you know what, I'm actually pretty good at this Yeah, in the bullpen. And it allows him to be on a major league roster potentially. Um by the way, Patrick Corbin got $140 million 140. over six okay. years was for close. the Nationals in 2019. That's still absurd. They owe him $24 million next year and $35 million after that. He's going to be 34 in 2024. Yeah. You... Well, at least they got their title, right? The Na- yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They got their World Series. They I got mean, it in their first season, he, and then they were like, oh, we're going to blow this up. <laughs> yeah. It's just him now. Scherzer's gone. Strasburg's there, Strasburg's though, right? injured. Okay. He's, he's still there. hurt. Yeah, he's there. Yeah, he's always hurt though. Juan Soto's there, but oh, you know, Juan Soto, he's so good. Oh, I love Juan. He's Soto. the only good player on that. I team. love Juan Soto. Oh, Josh Bell. Josh okay. Bell. Hey, Nelson Cruz is in his age fifty season <laughs> playing there. Okay, how old is he really? I think he's like forty-five. 40. Really? I don't wow. Know. I don't know, Liv. Man, I remember. I I grew up in Dallas. Another thing I gotta look up for you, Steve. I remember when he got traded from the Brewers to the Rangers, and everyone was like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> I can't remember what trade was that. He's 41. Okay. He so, turns 42 in July. So you definitely embellish that. 
but I still I'm respect close. it. I'm <laughs> close-ish. North I'm of only 40. nine years off. Right. I remember um, when he showed up to Texas and we were all like, who is this kid? And then he started hitting home runs. Boomstick. We like, oh, cool. Boomstick, We're man. good with that. Yeah. yeah. They named a big old corn dog after him, didn't they? Yeah, like, the, uh, it's like a foot-long corn dog. Yeah. Or it's even more than that. Oh, it's huge. I think it's, I think it's more a two than a foot. I think it's two foot. Yeah, the boomstick. Yeah. You could use it literally as a baseball bat. Um, we talked about Luke Weaver, part of the equation of the uh, Goldschmidt trade. How about Carson Kelly, who today was the first position player, I believe, oh, in the entire man. league to uh, get on the mound and pitch? Yeah, four games in, and the Diamondbacks already had to put a position player on the mound. Even though we have expanded rosters. Yeah, that was kind of strange. I mean, it was 10 to 1 at that point, but it was it's it's it was strange to not have a pitcher out there because they have an off day on Monday tomorrow. And you put Kelly out there. I mean, he had a scoreless inning. <laughs> so, yeah, he I did mean, well. I'll give him that. I, yeah, I think Luke, Luke Voigt got a base hit and then he got doubled off of first. But and Cooper Hummel caught for Cooper him. Cooper Hummel played catcher. Who is capable of catcher, but not listed as yeah, a catcher at he's all. He's an outfielder, and I think with he can also play third a little bit. I mean, bit, you have Jose Herrera and Dalton Varsho. Varsho was in the outfield, so I get that. I think... Honestly, I think the days of Dalton Varsho behind the plate are done. I think he's going to be an outfielder. You think that's over? I think I think he's an outfielder now. Unless unless like Kelly gets hurt, then they might move Varsho to catcher and keep Herrera as the backup catcher. See, I think maybe man, this is a big maybe. I think if you if Carson Kelly heavily struggles against right-handed pitching and you had a lineup because we know how many lefties they have, you could slide McCarthy over to center field, move Varsho to the plate, and all of a sudden you've got an extra lefty in your I lineup. I guess they could, yeah. You could do that, could. but that's a big if. With Paven Smith playing right field and yeah. replace Varsho in center with McCarthy or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess they could. You could do that, but, but it's not a big I don't think that's often. in their plans right now. No. Um, yeah, Carson Kelly, <laughs> he had a rough day today, too, behind the plate. He, he allowed two wild pitches... Um, on back-to-back pitches, I mean, wild pitches are technically on the pitcher, not the catcher. But I mean, the radio broadcast pointed out like he probably could have gotten down and tried to block the two p- pitches that he let go by. He tried to backhand stab him, um, and two run two runs came in. So if he had blocked those two balls, um, it might have been an eight to five loss instead of ten to five. Who knows? And he might not have had to pitch in the ninth inning. So, anyway, but, yeah, it's not a good look. Not a good look. Uh, Up next, two games against the Houston Astros, who come to Chase Field. Um, What are you excited to or interested to see in that series? Um, I am excited to see Zach Gallen on Tuesday. Um, He's going to go up against Luis Garcia, who, did he win the Rookie of the Year, the AL Rookie of the Year? I can't remember, but he was up for it. Um, He's a really good young pitcher for the Astros. Um, but I'm excited to see Gallon. Um, he had that injury in spring training early on. That's why he's technically the number five starter. Um, but he looked good in his last couple spring outings. His velocity was up to around 95, 96. Um, so he seems like he's healthy. So I am good and I want to see him pitch. I'm excited to see that. I'm also excited to see, maybe not excited, but I'm intrigued to see if Bumgarner, if he can get that pitch count down a little bit. Uh, if he can go longer in the game on Wednesday. Yeah, it's kind of an epidemic thing in baseball yeah. right now that pitchers are getting pulled early. It was only like, a, what, two and a half weeks spring training? So something like so maybe no, a little bit longer. It was like four. Well, Rob Manfred said they needed four weeks after the lockout it ended was not to get ready. four weeks, though. Was it not? 
Let's of I games don't know. of games. I don't know. Let's see here. Maybe they got it all in, but I it felt expedited One, from where two, I was sitting. Three. It was a little over three weeks. Okay, just but about. somewhat somewhat slimmed down. And I wonder if that affects starting pitching limits because I mean oh, a lot of teams it have does been, for sure. A lot of teams have been being really conservative with pitch counts. Sean Manaya had a no hitter <laughs> yeah, going was, through I seven. I was just gonna say, and he gets yanked. I was just gonna say, you Darvish too. If that happens in July, Sean Manaya is out there for the eighth inning. Of course, of course he is. Yeah, Sean Manaya would have finished that whole game in July. Yeah, the bullpen wouldn't have even been used. Right, I wouldn't think. I don't know. With analytics and all that. Yeah. Pitch counts, ridiculous. Like, oh my gosh, he's about to hit 100 pitches. What do we do? Yeah, he's oh gonna, his arm's going to fall off. He's already thrown 100 pitches. Right. Between warming up, between innings, every time, the bullpen, yeah. he can throw. He's not, like, 50 years old. I, I don't know. That's, that was very get off my lawn of me right there. It was. And I'm not I even old. I'm not, like, <laughs> I'm not even an old guy. I'm 29 years old. Yeah, not for much longer. I'll be thirty soon. This You're sucks. no Nelson Cruz, that's for sure. Uh, by <laughs> the way, thousand years old. Yeah. By the way, Randy Arozarena won the Rookie of the Year. He last was a, year. technically a rookie technically, last year. Oh, okay. Even though he, he had the greatest postseason yeah, of all time. He didn't play enough games in 2020. Yeah, got it. Yeah, he hit 274, 20 homers, He's and very uh, good. 69 RBI. Very good. Doesn't sound like much. Um, Jonathan India was Rookie of the Year in the National League. Yeah, pretty good year over there as well. By the way, uh, the Rookie of the Year this year. Played today, had a fantastic day for my Cleveland Guardians. And I'm just going to say it. I told you before the season started, I was going to pick up a player in fantasy baseball. You all can just see how much I rolled my eyes. I am going to rub it in your face. I told you I would pick up a player you've never heard of. That part was true. Never heard of him. And that he was going to be the best player on my team. His name is Stephen Kwan. Today he went 5 for 5 with a walk. <laughs> he is 8 of 10 in his first 10 oh at-bats this season. Gosh. He's tearing the cover off the ball. <laughs> Stephen Kwan, keep that name in mind. So ends my Fine. rant. So we ends always my have gloating. to talk about the Guardians every episode now? No, 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 we do not. We but have to talk about Kwan every we time? We have to talk about how prophetic I am okay, and how great. I got that right. And at the end of the season, you're going to rue the day that I got Stephen Kwan. Just mark it down. Okay. All right, so up next for the Diamondbacks, two games against the Houston Astros. Do we know who's after that? They go on the road to the New York Mets and the Washington Nationals as well. All right, so some teams that you don't see a whole lot of necessarily. Um, Interested to see, like you mentioned, Zach Gallen. Um, We'll keep an eye on all things Diamondbacks as they take on the Astros at Chase Field this week. We thank you so much for checking out the podcast. I'm Steve Zinsmeister, Cody Fincher as well. You have been listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.